0: Namutasa Tasa Bhagavatu Arahatu Sama Sambuddhasa Namu Bhagavatu Arahatu Sama sambudasa. Nammo tassa bhagavatu arahato sammāsambuddhassa Buddhangamma sangam namassami
1: I hope all of you are well I hope you've been keeping well And I hope you've been practicing well. During these days of pandemic, it feels like a very special time. There's so much suffering in the world. And there's so many people gathering in ways that are very fruitful or finding ingenious ways to enrich their lives, connecting more with family
0: and learning more about ourselves. We certainly have, though it doesn't seem that way on the surface of things because We're just doing the same stuff,
1: you might say, every day. Taking care of the monastery, taking care of ourselves and each other, and receiving people in proper way to have the food offered, During the the course of this year,
0: we've had a construction project going on. We didn't plan to to be doing construction projects. I didn't become a nun for this, but (laughs) this is how it is. You know, you live in a monastery and there are buildings. They have to be repaired, maintained and all that. And this building was intended to be a monastic nursing home. So we call it the nursing kuti. Because as nuns, as bhikkhunis, we wouldn't be able to live in a care home. We wouldn't be able to stay as bhikkhunis easily in a care home. It would be difficult to preserve our Vinaya. And so we have this now, this little facility which will allow us to look after our elderly or sick nuns. And it has the basic mod cons that probably all of you have, such as running water, and it has electricity it has a proper bathroom and it has enough space to move around in if you're in a wheelchair in fact you could probably run a race in that kuti with a wheelchair it's a bit big for what i'm used to anyway i'm going to be trying it out and so i moved in It's very different to how I've been living before. We have other buildings, but we don't live in them. We don't live in the temple building or in the main house. We live in our forest huts, you can call them, which are wonderful and simple and small, like little nests.
1: We're like birds in the trees. This is a big
0: nest. But I have to tell you, it was very difficult for me to move into this building because I know that probably I'm going to die in this building. That's what it was designed for, so that we can be cared for and die in the monastery. And I practice contemplation of death a lot, but when we were moving, I was bringing my bits over to this larger heavy duty kind of building very well insulated you know thinking through so that we used whatever we could to reduce heating bills keep out insects etc this building is supposed to be airtight I've been contemplating dying in this airtight building, so I, I thought of it as moving into a coffin. And it's a big coffin. <laughs> the first night I couldn't sleep, not because of that. I realized that it's hard to move, but what, it, what I was really finding hard was moving into dying because I know that being in this building completely represents dying to me. And viscerally, I began to experience the understanding that I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Even if I say, well, I'm not afraid to die, but viscerally, going into a building that I even used to point out to the builders, this is going to be, this is going to be where I die, this corner here, this will be where the sleeping place is. We never know where we're going to die or how, but to practice dying is really important. To be ready to let go is really
1: important. So little by little I've gotten
0: into the rhythm, it's four or five days now, of just walking towards letting the body go, walking towards letting the world go, more and more.
1: Yesterday, after being
0: quite preoccupied with all that we do to run the Hermitage, um, sometimes I don't get to the Kuti till late. Yesterday I didn't come till after dark. When I walked into the shrine room, there was a butterfly on the shrine. A tortoise shell butterfly.
1: I was so surprised to
0: see it because it's cold now. It's getting on to winter. We've had sub-zero temperatures for days on end there have been a few insects probably they've hatched inside the building since it was built but this butterfly so beautiful was on the shrine
1: and I looked at it for a while
0: and it stayed there then I sat and meditated it fluttered around and then it came and perched itself right in front of where I was sitting. And I heard it, so I opened my eyes, and I thought, what can I offer this butterfly? Probably it's thirsty, because it's so dry in here. So I put some water on the floor, because if I put it in a dish, I didn't think this butterfly would come to the dish. So it went to the little puddle on the floor, put out its proboscis, and it
1: started sipping the water. It sipped
0: and sipped and sipped this water. I was actually chanting for our dear friend, Rachna, who was dying. And I'd like to dedicate our practice to her today. So this butterfly, I thought, must have been so parched, I think it must have sipped that water for an hour and a half or two. I didn't keep track of the time. But after I finished sitting and I got up and did things, I came back, it was still sipping. So I went very, very close. I put my fingers so close and it it wasn't afraid. I chanted for it. Well, it was listening as I was chanting. And then it fluttered around and I could see that it had touched the stove which is hot. There's a propane stove there. It must be injured. I reached out my finger and the butterfly climbed on my finger. I put the butterfly on a little perch of cloth and I sat down again. It sat there and sat very straight and looked, it felt like it was looking right at me.
1: In the morning, when I woke up, it was still sitting there. And then
0: I did my routine and I opened the bathroom door and the butterfly was lying on the floor of the door. I felt that it followed me and was trying to get to me
1: but it didn't have the strength so I brought it back
0: and put it on the shrine it's been lying there and I was chanting for it and chanting for it and then it was time for breakfast so I went to eat and I came back and it was still alive but it couldn't move anymore and then I
1: noticed I could see the eye of the butterfly.
0: Now, I just learned from Ayya Anuruddha that butterflies have a compound eye with many lenses so that it, maybe it has many images of me because it has this profound eye. And even though it hadn't moved in a while, when I started to chant for it, the antenna started moving, so I kept chanting. Then, whenever I came up to it, the little antenna started to move as soon as it saw me. I thought this was rather special. I've never had an experience of being acknowledged by an insect like that. Well, I did once actually, but that was different. That was a healthy butterfly. But this creature was almost like saying, please help me, or stay, or I'm here. I called Aya Anaruda and we both chanted for this little butterfly. And when we were chanting, it started moving both of its antennae. I thought maybe our breath was moving. It No. We could see the butterfly's eye, and I had the feeling that that eye was seeing us and reaching out to us. I tell you this story because we are coarse human beings. As refined as we think we are, we're still pretty coarse. For an hunt for a fully enlightened being, we're like children.
1: Spiritually, we're like babies. Little we know of nature
0: that is ours. I'm quoting. The world is too much with us late and soon. Little we know of nature that is ours. This butterfly was on the verge of dying. And we don't know the consciousness of a
1: butterfly, but in those final moments, when it could reach out because it could feel our love, I realized how few of us know what we're doing in this world. How few of us understand what it means to be harmless. To stop and see a creature so frail,
0: Reaching out for love. Receiving love and then responding every time that love comes toward it. We're not normally people who take videos or photos with our... We have cell phones for safety purposes and also for communicating from one side of the property to the other. But we took a little video of this butterfly reaching out because we were so astonished to have this relationship
1: with it. It was astonishing how, I'm sure that people who do
0: research, scientific research, and study creatures, they maybe have these kind of experiences.
1: Can we do that with each other? Not just in our dying
0: moment, but in our waking up moments, can we reach out without wanting so much?
1: Can we practice alone or in a group
0: for the right reasons, and not just take that practice for ourselves, but go into our daily life with that, what we've been rehearsing. We're rehearsing. We want to wake up and we're practicing waking up, but then we go back to our deluded ways of being over and over again.
1: To really purify the heart,
0: we have to be more and more attentive and more and more sensitive. And the world is racing. Now it's stopping more. That's a good thing.
1: If we're brought to our knees, Maybe then finally we will reach out in good ways
0: to each other and we'll be able to purify each other so that we can learn the love
1: of the butterfly and offer it to each other, to ourselves to each other. We don't even have to have a name. I have no name for this creature. I might as well call it love.
0: It's just a little love, love being. Lying there, it's still lying on the shrine. After this session, we're going to go back and check. Because every time we chant, it reaches out with its little,
1: these little filaments. And that eye looking at you, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I had no intention of speaking about this today, but it impacted me so much. I wanted to share that. I couldn't really access anything else. Uh, I did want to talk about mindfulness,
0: but mindfulness is all of this. When we're really mindful, we're really there for each other. It's not some fancy word we have to define, and then we'll like so-and-so's definition more than
1: another's. Who cares, really? My books are all in disarray. I haven't even been able to unpack them. Maybe I don't need them. How much do we need books if we can't read our own heart? Traditionally in Buddhism, we don't use the word prayer. I like that word.
0: And we don't realize it, but we pray all the time. Every time we say, may you be well, may you be happy,
1: may you be peaceful, it's a prayer. We're not praying to a deity but we are wishing for and acting for, we're standing for the well being of this world, ourselves in it, others in it, each other in this world.
0: And we evoke blessings by speaking, articulating our heart's wish. In the Hebrew language and ancient biblical languages, the word prayer is tefillah. Tefillah comes from the verb lihit and it means, it doesn't just mean pray. What does pray mean? It means in that, when you go to the verb, the root, it means self-fulfillment.
1: To fill, fill oneself up, fill up, be fulfilled. Isn't that really about being awake? What is fulfillment? What is it to be well? To be healthy is to be fulfilled. To be fulfilled is to be present. To be present is to see clearly to see clearly we have to purify the heart when the heart grows pure we learn we really learn how to love that's it love unconditional Love everyone. As a famous professor,
0: Maury Schwartz, who died of Lou Gehrig's disease, said when he was on his deathbed and he was being interviewed on television by NBC, and the moderator asks him, Maury, there are nine million people listening. What would be your last message to them?
1: Do you know what he said? He said, love everyone or die. That's what he said. So, thank you for listening.